0: Welcome back to another edition of College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, the Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. And with me today is Brandon Jenkins, a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Now, here's what we're going to do today. We're flipping the script. I am turning the show over to Brandon. He's going to do the the, he's going to ask the questions. I'm going to give the answers. Now, why am I doing this? One, uh, because you might not realize it at home, but Brandon is one of the funniest people we have on our group. We have this group chat and Brandon's got the, and he has this, such a unique way about telling me when I'm wrong. We're going to let him do it online here today. So it's going to be, it's going to be good fun. Brandon, thank you uh, for joining me here. I think we're going to we're going to have fun with this one.
1: Now, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
0: All right. So here's what we're going to talk about today the the rankings rankings week is behind us I got to play catch up on the NBA draft and I know you are passionate about following guys into their college careers and in particular today for the majority of the show I want to talk mostly about freshmen Um, so I sent you a list of topics that I kind of wanted to talk about and as I told you I want you to put your own spin on it ask me anything uh, and and you feel free to throw out my questions and, and do what you want but uh, we're going to dive into the freshmen, see who's doing what. And, and this is just comes a couple weeks after uh, E-Boss did his freshman update. But this this one is different because this is specific to their NBA stock. So with that, Brandon, ask me anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that caught my eye was that you were planning on writing about five-star prospects in this year's freshman class. right? And you know, traditionally, we see dudes of this caliber coming to college with these expectations that they're one and done and nothing else. But, you know, a lot of these times we see that their production on the hardwood doesn't really match what their expectations are. And it kind of leaves them with a tough decision to make. Yeah, no doubt. So here, here's the, here's my basic
0: premise for this line of thinking is that, um, and, and you know this, I mean, I've talked about it publicly. You've heard me say it even more privately. Like I worry about the expectations we put on these kids, especially as high school underclassmen. But I think we forget that even when they get into college, those expectations still exist. So the players who go into college with the biggest expectations, whether they're McDonald's All-Americans or five-star prospects, I went with five-star prospects for this study. Um, but th- there is some clear data. Like if you look back at the class of 2022, um, those being the first ones to to most recent one to finish their, their college, uh, their freshman year of college. So there were. 25 five-star prospects Mm. in the class of 2022 15 of them went pro of those 15 only eight were taken in the top 20 now the reason i say the top 20 is because in my opinion when you're contemplating whether or not you want to go to the draft you should be thinking along the lines of am i going to get guaranteed money now if you're a first round pick you get a guaranteed contract a lot of people talk about two-way deals but two-way deals are not guaranteed The team can cut them at any point in time. So, you know, at that point, it's 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 just, you know, it's not good luck. So if you're a top 20, if you're projected as a top 20 pick, it's a pretty good certainty you're going to get guaranteed money. So 25 guys in 2022 five star prospects, 15 of them went pro. Eight of them went in the top 20. That means seven of them went despite not going in the top 20. There were two more that went in the first round. That means there were five former five-star prospects in last year's draft who declared who were not first-round picks. Gigi Jackson, Amari Bailey, Chris Livingston, Julian Phillips, and Jordan Walsh. Those are the guys who declared for the draft, ended up going in the second round. And again, the second round, those teams are free to give you a guaranteed contract should they want to, but they don't have to. Um, So you got 10 other players. What happened to those 10 players? Four transferred to different schools. Basically, they said, I thought I was going to be one and done. It didn't work out here. I'm going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And there were six that went back to their schools for their sophomore years. Three of them are at Duke, uh, Dylan Mitchell at at, uh, Texas, Kylan Boswell at Arizona, and then Dembona at at UCLA. That trend, as we start extending back uh, into past years, it it becomes pretty consistent. So the five-star guys feel this pressure to declare for the draft, even if they shouldn't. And incidentally speaking, like, Think about UCLA this year, It's not working out great for Amari Bailey. It's not working out great for UCLA. Had Amari Bailey gone back to school, probably would have been a good thing. And that same trend exists. You go back to 2021, it's the same thing. In fact, it's an even bigger number that went pro. There were 29 five-stars, 21 of them went pro. 10 of those guys went in the first round. Nine of them went in the second round. So of the 21 players who went pro, less than half of those former five-star players went in the first round and got that guaranteed deal. And then there were two more, Michael Foster and Aminu Muhammad, who didn't get drafted at all. So I'm looking at this from the perspective of these players go in before they even get to a college campus, they think they're one and done. And sometimes what you see on the floor does not live up to that hype, but they're so attached to that destination already. I think a lot of them end up making what turns out to be in some cases, you know, Quite frankly, like bad decisions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that was the basis for for why I wanted to to kind of talk about this this trend, if you will.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, no, that's great data. I just know in this year's case that there's 17 five star five fr- star freshmen. You know, yep. from the class of 2023. And just looking at this year's crop of freshmen, I mean, obviously we have Ron Holland, who's the number yep. one player in the class of 2023. He's at, he's at G League Ignite with a, another five-star prospect in Modest and, Zilis, and they're yep. doing their things, getting to prepare for the draft. But also you have guys like Isaiah Collier at USC, Cody Williams at Colorado, and Jacoby Walter at Baylor who are looking like, sure, yeah, they're going and done talents with what they did this year in the college basketball season. But that still leaves over 10 freshmen who are yep. kind of, you know, I would say on the bubble when it comes to making a decision. And, you know, some of the biggest names start or starting for Kentucky.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kentucky's the, the, obviously the most interesting one, they had the top ranked recruiting class in the country last year and their freshmen have lived up to it, but it's almost been an inversion of what we've seen. So like Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, DJ Wagner, those were the top five prospects, but Reed Shepard and Robert Dillingham have arguably been their best players. Um, their best freshman. Big Z comes and I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. <laughs> he come, he gets eligible and all of a sudden he goes nuts. So he's another one that, that now has got the NBA intrigued. So I think this becomes a really interesting case study because now you've got Justin Edwards. Um, Justin Edwards through 19 games is, is playing 22 minutes per night, scoring 8 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. So on the surface, and I should also say, shooting 29% from three-point line—that's a big number. Right. On the surface, this does not look like a one-and-done talent. If you threw out his high school ranking, uh, no one would think he, he should be a one-and-done candidate. I think you can say the same thing for Aaron Bradshaw and, to a lesser extent, DJ Wagner. Although I will say that that Edwards and Bradshaw—they've got like the phys- physical measurables that are in higher demand by the NBA. DJ Wagner, same thing. He's playing 28 minutes per game, scoring 12 points, handing out four assists, which I think is is almost a pleasant surprise, only shooting 31% from the three-point line. So none of these three players are sure thing first rounders at this point. Right. It's all possible they go in the first round, um, but it's not a sure thing. So what do these guys do? I, I really think Given the status they came in with, it's going to be hard for them. They would really have to take the path less traveled to say, you know what, I'm going back to college because there's so much pressure, so much expectation for them to go. But it creates a scenario where like nobody wants to be the guy who slips to the second round and then doesn't get a guaranteed contract or gets cut. And quite frankly, Kentucky doesn't want them to be that either because Mm -hmm. that's going to be used against Kentucky on the recruiting trail. So I think those three guys are are really, really interesting. Um and, and kind of the um the the examples of of what's so interesting about this this class of college freshmen because those three are as high profile as anyone and it just you know remains to be seen what they're gonna do and if what they end up doing is necessarily
1: the smart decision. Absolutely. No, after watching them, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, it's just wild the expectations that they have for themselves and you know how they have to live up to it. Um but outside of those three, who would you see as freshmen who are seriously thinking about bolting for the draft, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, they all may be thinking about it, you know? I mean, unfortunately, I, I think that's part of the problem is that these guys start to think about it when they, they shouldn't necessarily. You know, we saw this with Gigi Jackson last year. Right. Like, mm-hmm. South Carolina was just, like, a stop. He wasn't He wasn't even – he never really had two, two, you know, feet on the ground there, you know what I mean? It was just – he was passing through town and that was part of the reason why it was such a disappointing experience and why only now midway through the nba season are we starting to see the guy that we thought we would uh given the opportunity that's come with all the injuries in memphis but to your point about the freshman, when you take away those guys who, who look like they're on a clear one and done track the uh the two guys that ignite um isaiah collier jacoby walter cody williams Um, I I think the next two guys who come into play are probably uh, Stefan castle and Jared McCain, Mm -hmm. but again, they're not no brainers. You know, I mean, this is, could they be first round picks? Absolutely. Could castle be a lottery pick maybe could either one of those guys fall into the second round? Yeah. That is still within the realm of possibility uh, on these outcomes. Castle right now has started 10 out of 14 games. He started the season on the injured list Mm -hmm. uh, playing about 24 minutes per night, 10 points, uh, five rebounds, four assists, one steal. Uh, but it's the 24% three-point shooting that I think is really going to concern people for someone who, uh, at least not yet, um, projects that big point guard that a lot of people uh, were were expecting out of high school. But he is impacting winning on the top team in the country. He really defends, and he's got a knack for scoring. So, again, not a clear-cut number one. So he's got an interesting not a clear cut first round pick. So he's got an interesting decision to make. Jared McCain, we've talked about him on this show before. I think he has been if, if you look at his numbers in the first eight games of the season and the last 10 plus games, you're getting two different players. Right. And Jared McCain is someone that I think we at least me, I think we we underrated because we said his physical tools aren't necessarily highest level. But this guy's shot making his his intelligence and his ability to kind of um, continue to improve. Uh, hes I was watching the Duke game earlier this week, Virginia Tech, and he didn't have a great stat line, but he was in every play, making the right play on every play. So he's someone that in a, in a, a suspect draft um, could get consideration in the first round. But as I said earlier, nobody has done a better job of retaining five-star prospects than Duke so is Duke able to sell him on coming back for a sophomore season and potentially playing his way into a high, into a guaranteed first round spot into a lottery spot, I would suspect um, some of that will depend on, on whether Tyrese Proctor is able to accomplish that goal this year. Cause right. that was the message to him mm-hmm. a year ago, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna wait and
1: see. No, absolutely. It's definitely a gamble. It's definitely a gamble. Mm. gamble when you think about that uh, just from that perspective, but You know, we covered so many freshmen as is at this point, but there's still seven remaining. I know. Who, who, once again, we bring on along that term on the bubble in terms of making the decision. Just in your eyes, who do you feel, you know, could benefit from another year of school who you may not think is, you know, ready to make that jump at this stage?
0: I mean, I'm going to be candid. These, These next players, I don't think have any business being in the one and done discussion at this point. I mean... And it's no shot at them. It's no shot. No, no, it's not. It's not. In fact, like this is me. If they were listening to this, I'd say like, hey man, I'm not. I'm not taking a shot. I'm saying make a smart decision. Nobody wants to see you be the guy who declares too early, doesn't get picked, or gets cut. Nobody wants to see that. Um. So make a good decision. Come back to school and be one of those guys who pops up as a sophomore. Like TJ Power. He was a five star guy last year, but, um, you know, he said openly he knew he wasn't one and done. So let's just take him out of the equation right now. A day Mara at UCLA. I mean, he had huge expectations coming in and it has not gone well, Uh, especially as of late. I mean, he has gone eight straight games now without scoring more than three points. It is hard to imagine him uh, wanting to do this again, given what his reputation was coming in. So does he, he take a shot and say, you know what I'm declaring for the draft and, or, or I'm I'm going to transfer and find another place where I'm going to go play in Europe or, or whatever. But um, you know, it, it hasn't gone well, quite frankly, he, not only is he not produced individually, he hasn't been able to impact winning mm-hmm. uh, Omaha blue is another one who, you know, was, has not really been able to get on the floor in a consistent impactful way for, uh, for Iowa state. He clearly needs to come back to school. Um, Xavier Booker, like high upside, um, but just a pup you know, like, like real early on in the process. And we knew this, we knew this coming in. We Exactly, exactly. We knew it. Now, this is where it gets interesting because there are some examples in the past couple of years of players who have been, you know, not as impactful as co- in college as we expected, who have said, you know what, I'm going to go to the NBA regardless. And I'm going to bet that teams are going to see, you know, my high school tape, they're going to see my talent and they're going to, they're going to kind of, take a jump on that and they end up being better pros. The most glaring one is is uh Peyton Watson. You know, right. two mm-hmm. two years ago at UCLA. I mean he played 13 minutes a game, um, scored three points a game. And then he ends up Denver takes him the last pick in the draft. And everybody's like, what are they doing? Well two years later now he's in the rotation for a team that's you know got a real chance to repeat as his, his NBA champions. Jalen Johnson, remember a few years back at Duke, he like, you know, I don't want to say he season, quit. Right? I don't want to say he quit but he was like, yeah, I'm out. You know, yeah, hurt, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, my stock is not going the right way. Um, and there were all kinds of concerns coming out of that season at Duke. Um, but if you watch this year with the Hawks, like he's coming on strong, like in a big way, having a breakout season now in his third year in the NBA. And there's other guys who fit that mold too. Zaire Williams, Jaden McDaniels, uh, Nasir Little, um, weren't necessarily the college players you would expect based on their high school reputation and ranking. Elected to follow a one and done track regardless and have ultimately lived up to their uh, potential, at least to a certain extent, like they're still they're still in the league. Uh, they have they have real NBA careers. So you wonder if a guy like Xavier Booker is going to say, you know what, I'm going to bet that an NBA team is going to invest in my physical tools. Um, clearly he's not NBA ready he's if he goes he's going to be in the G League all year long but is a team willing to give him a guaranteed contract in hopes of developing him for the next few years um, you know I think that's an interesting one Um, but and then after that it's like Mackenzie McBacco like you know he needs to be in college Elliot Cadeau I think uh, has been really good he's probably the best college player among the guys we're talking about right now Um, but you know I think he'd be well served to go back to college too. I remember on commitment night, he wanted to follow this one and done track, but um, go back to college, show people you're a better shooter than the numbers indicate right now. Get those right. assist numbers to the point where we think they can be, and your draft stock should should really um, benefit because of it. So, you know, I think the vast majority of these guys, this is kind of the point of the article, is I think the vast majority of those 17 five-star prospects should think long and hard
1: about going back to college next year. For sure. And it and it's still interesting to see because, you know, we haven't even got to March Madness yet. And we know that, mm-hmm. that it's a platform for these kids to boost their stock as is. So, you know, it's still early to tell, but yes, like I agree, um, you know, and it's to be a fan of the basketball game. We would love to see these kids, you know, come back and dominate for sure. But as we also know, you know, just because you're a five-star prospect doesn't guarantee that you're a one and done. But also right. in some cases, four-star prospects, emerge into the done conversation and we've seen quite a few players you know give it their best shot who would you say are a few of the four-star prospects that you know have kind of out have outplayed their ranking and um has put themselves in a nba draft one and done conversation yeah so that's what's interesting because while i'm
0: saying there are less five-star prospects than normal ready to be first round picks um we're also acknowledging that this is across the board perceived as a weak draft Right. Now, there's a, a good number of international prospects, especially from France, who are who are coming in this year. Um, but there's there's got to be 30 guys that get guaranteed deals. And this is wide open. I, I would say those 30 spots, there's probably 50 to 60 names that feel like they have a legitimate chance to crack those top 30. To your point, knowing they've still got a few months left of the season. Some of the freshmen that weren't five stars that I think um, have put themselves... Firmly on the NBA draft radar right now. I think uh, Eves Missy is the first one got to talk about a Baylor. Athletic big, uh, rim runner, shot blocker, lob catcher. I mean, that's a role that translates to the NBA, NBA level. He's proven that, that he is college ready. And as I said, he has a translatable role. Um, go back to Kentucky. We talked about how that class was, was inverted. Reed Shepard, we've talked about it in previous shows. He's been phenomenal. His metrics are off the charts, uh, defensive metrics, as well as a spot up shooting. Just, I mean, I don't know that his NBA stock will ever be higher than it is right now. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but Reed Shepard could get consideration as a one and done lottery right. pick. And like, you know, Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards and DJ Wagner might slip out of the first round, but that's the reality of where we are right now. And the same goes for Robert Dillingham. Again, not going to, not going to get into the specifics because we did it two weeks ago on this show, but highly skilled, uh, has really matured. I think that's the, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, you guys screwed up his ranking, but credit where credit is due. He's really matured. Um, and as a result, he's been better. It was never about, we doubted his skill Um, but as a result of that maturation, he's now put himself in a position where, He's got very clear traction with NBA teams. And then uh, Johnny Furphy uh, at, at Kansas, he got inserted into the starting lineup recently. He's making the most of his opportunity. Not saying he's won and done ready, would probably benefit from coming back to school. Could be a legit lottery candidate in 2025, but he's on the radar. And then the name that nobody's talking about is Kanan Carlisle at Stanford. Um, he is, he's putting up some very real numbers. He, he's got a good frame. He can shoot it. It's averaging about 15 points per game. So he's going to have eyeballs on him through through the last two months of this this college season. I'd say those are five freshmen who are outside of five-star territory who I think NBA scouts are intrigued with right now.
1: For sure, for sure. Though those are some pretty big time names. Now, um, uh, you know, kind of switching the topic real quick. I know we touched on freshmen a lot, but um there's also still room for. Prospects that are not freshmen, you know, no to emerge. Um, I know we touched on Dalton Connect of Tennessee, Devin Carter of Providence, um, dudes of that nature, Jalen Tyson of California, yep. guys who have, uh, you know, you predicted that could boost their draft stock and they're making you kind of look like a genius at this point. So um am right. You said that I sent you that note over email and you're going to repeat it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> No, Absolutely. But um, just in terms of more guys who are not, you know, who weren't one and done prospects, who have, you know, bought their time in the college game and now is seeing, you know, the benefits of their success. Who do you see as potential, you know, sophomores or upperclassmen that could, you know, boost their stock as the the season is gearing towards its close? So there's a few guys that I've kind of,
0: you know, like every morning I'll go through and watch some film from night before, check the box score, see who I want to dig into from a film standpoint. Tyrese Proctor at Duke, since he's come back from the injury, I think he's starting to show some things. Uh, Coleman Hawkins at Illinois, a guy who I thought was an NBA player last year, but did not have a good combine. Um, he started the season playing through an injury. But with the way that roster has evolved, he's now playing his best basketball. And I think he's he's proven to be a stock riser. And then Deron Holmes at, at uh, Dayton, another one who declared for the draft last year, ended up coming back to school but it's been the progression of his shooting. I mean, he's gone from a big who was perceived as a total non-shooter to someone who's now made multiple threes and in numerous games. So I think his NBA stock has certainly improved as well. Those are three guys who, as I said, I've talked about more so on social media, but I just wanted to mention them again here for those purposes. Three more guys that I haven't talked about yet. I think Colorado's KJ Simpson is, is really intriguing. Yeah. Um, People talk about Cody Williams. um, But you know, he's averaging 19, five and four with almost two steals per game. And his shooting numbers are off the charts. I mean, he's flirting with 50, 40, 90 type numbers. I mean, this guy is just an absolute driller. And if you watch the modern day NBA, shot makers make the league, Um, especially, yeah. So he is a name to me, KJ Simpson, that that should more people should be talking about. Um, I've got another name that is, um I talked about last year and then he kind of dropped off the list and I'm putting him back on right now uh Pella Larson at Arizona in this draft when there's not much star power I think teams might look for plug and play rotation players whether it's late in the first round or early in the second you can get them for a low salary cap Larson is a is a 6'6 senior from Sweden he's battle tested both in college basketball and in FIBA play his three-point percentage has jumped 10% from last year. And he's a career 84% uh, free throw shooter. So there's there's more belief in his ability to make spot up shots. He only takes good shots. Like this is a guy who embraces being an, an efficient role player. And, and he's a pretty good passer. He's got a good frame. He's got the, got the requisite athleticism. So I think he's a name that while he doesn't put up glaring individual offensive numbers, is going to get some traction. And then the new name I, I, I've got, I'm going to hit you with this one. It's the last thing I got. You know, last year it was Brandon uh, Podzemski at, at Santa Clara. And he, he he was the guy, you know, he didn't play at Illinois, transfers to Santa Clara, and he puts up numbers, gets into the first round, Golden State takes him, and now it looks like he should have gone even higher. Adama Ball at Santa Clara is this year's version of that. He was at Arizona last year, yes. played behind Larson, did not play, did not play. Um, this year at Santa Clara, six seven wing. Averaging almost 16 points per game, three assists, three rebounds, making about 36% of his threes, um, but on high volume. So, so the, the sample size is big enough where we can, we can put some stock in it. That's a name that like draft Twitter is, is not really spitting out yet, but I think there is building intrigue behind the scenes. So uh, those are three more guys that I think are, are, are stock risers um, and going to start to get more traction in, in the coming weeks.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think the the tell and tell is, especially with you ending with ball is that fit matters. Fit matters yeah, and situations yeah. are contextual. Um, just because we see a guy like Pella Larson who, you know, maybe that team last year really didn't fit his game. And maybe that has something to do with his efficiency. And we see him emerging now because, you know, maybe the team, the floor is more spaced out, obviously with two billets gone and he's, you know, thriving in that role. So yeah, no, for sure. He serves his purpose. B Jenkins. I, I kind of like this. <laughs> i kind of like this you know i mean
0: it's just a good one two punch little change up you know i mean this i throw the i throw the change up to start you came with the fastball but in all seriousness i appreciate you doing this i know you love following these guys so i appreciate you jumping on with me uh everybody watching at home make sure you check out this episode past episode and and future ones the 24 7 sports um channel on youtube as well as the podcast feed if uh on apple Podcasts. so Be sure to find us there. And as always, you can find this kind of content, much more recruiting, draft, college basketball, even some NBA, 247sports.com. For Brandon Jenkins, I'm Adam Finkelstein. Thank you for watching.